This is a Federal News Network podcast. It was enacted barely a month ago, but federal contractors are still unpacking everything stuffed into the National Defense Authorization Bill for 2021. For one assessment, we turn to Morris Manning and Martin partner, attorney Kelly Kroll. Ms. Kroll, good to have you on. Uh, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. And you've done a deep dive into this bill. I don't know. That was a relatively small bill. It was only a couple of thousand pages, I guess. And <laughs> That's small yeah, these days. Right? Um, but a few issues of top of mind concern I wanted to ask you about in all that you have dug out of this. And let's start with other transaction authority agreements. Those are growing in popularity. You're hearing more and more and larger and larger OTAs. The authority mm-hmm. and the OTA process goes back 50 years, but now it seems to be rediscovered. What does the NDAA say about it? Well, I guess, you know, you're right. It has grown in popularity, and I think that came about as part of the NDAA in 2015 when they widened the scope of the authority for other transaction authority to include, you know, it used to be for prototype weapons and weapon systems, but now it's up to anything that, quote-unquote, enhances the mission effectiveness of the warfighter, so that it has opened it up to a whole other area outside of weapons and weapon systems, so it can be a lot of different things. And this all continues without transparency. So part of this section that you're referring to in the NDAA is meant to give more transparency to this because, as you probably know, OTAs can be done with a lot more flexibility and that they don't have the typical competitive requirements or federal regulatory oversight that applies to them. So a lot can be going on that people just don't have insight into. And so what this section does is basically require DOD to put out a list on a portal somewhere that everybody can access the information to find out, okay, who's doing what and how much and kind of what's going on to give people, again, I'm going to say the word insight one more time into what's going on there with the OTAs to make sure there's, you know, part of the concerns are waste or flash fraud that could be going on because of a lack of regulatory requirements with respect to OTAs. Sure. So the genie is way out of the bottle. They just want to make sure they can see where it flies. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, because of the increased growth. I personally, I've been practicing for over 20 years, and I didn't see any OTAs until like after 2015, because I wasn't representing weapons manufacturers or people that were developing prototypes in that area. So I didn't see it. But then when they expanded the scope, I see them all the time. And I see how people can be left out of the loop if you're not involved with one of these consortiums that are involved in these. Not that all OTAs go to consortiums, but you can really miss out on opportunities, and I've seen that firsthand with some of the clients that I represent. All right, let's switch gears here for a moment. Employee-based size standards, and that has been already the subject of a lot of work by the Small Business Administration. Does this NDAA overturn what they've done or upset what they've done already, or do they have to start over? What's going on with those size standards? Well, I think you're referring to the increase in the employee size standard as far as a metric upon which a a business determines whether or not it's small or not. So just to give you a little background, I guess it was 2019, they, again, NDAA in 2019, I think, came out and said, for businesses that are measuring their size standard off a three-year revenue base, we're going to increase that to five years. The revenue-based size standard metric is for service providers. For manufacturers and providers of supplies, the size standard is based on how many employees you have. And it was previously based on the number of employees you had during the preceding 12 months. So they've increased that scope with this to 24 months. So they're not resetting the rules. It's just 
basically increasing the period of measurement for which you measure your size standard against. And it can be really a good thing for companies that are growing rapidly because what happens is a company will be a small business under a size standard. They'll win a big contract as a small business. They'll get lots of money. They'll hire new people. And next thing you know, they're large. And so when their own contract comes up for a recompete, they can't bid on it because they're large now all of a sudden. Because previously it was based on a three-year revenue standard or 12-month standard, depending on what you're looking at. Okay. Sure. But the business would become large, and then they couldn't bid on their own work. So they're trying to expand the period to kind of prolong the period in which you can stay small because it stretches that period out. Now, the change is not necessarily good for companies that are shrinking because they'll lose a contract and now they're going to be larger for a longer period of time. But it's not a new rule. It's just a different metric for measuring your size. And again, this is just for employee-based standards. So it requires just a calculation by the contracting officer or contracting entity, but no fire drill by the SBA. No, not at all. I don't even think they have to make a rule on this because I think the act just changes it automatically and it'll go into effect, I believe, next year. We're speaking with Kelly Kroll. She's a partner at the law firm Morris Manning and Martin. And let's go on to the software development and acquisition provisions in the NDAA. Well, Tom, what would you like to know? (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of things in there about software development and acquisition. I think the primary thing to take away from this is we're just going to have to wait and see. Because basically what the NDA says to me in my reading of this is, look, DOD, you need to go out there and you need to develop regulations that are going to make sure that the, the acquisition and development of the software that DOD is using is more secure, right? Because they don't have any insight into the supply chain. They don't have any insight into third-party IP that's embedded in software that they're buying. You know, how secure is the coding process? So they're going to develop regulations that will govern this whole process. That's a big lift, right? Yeah, that could be a five-year process, in other words. Absolutely. And when you look at how long it's taken, and I am not passing judgment on anyone, there's no negativity here, but when you look at how long it's taken to implement things like the you know, CMMC program, when you look at how long that's taken to roll out, and just like with anything with government, they've got to go through the whole notice and comment rulemaking process, and there's going to be an input, and you're dealing with a complex subject. I mean, it's really just going to be have a wait-and-see process because then it's going to become like when these regulations come out, you know, how is it going to affect the evaluation process when agencies make their decisions? And, how, you know, is that going to lead to protests? And, and just where is that all going? So that it's a very wide mandate as far as in my opinion. I'm sure people are already working on it in the background. So, but to me, it's a, a wait-and-see how it comes out in the regulations. Okay, well, we will wait and see, probably for another administration or two, possibly. And finally, the consolidation of veterans' contracting programs. That seems like a piece of housekeeping that's probably overdue. Sure, yeah. And I mean, because they have two different systems that effectively do the same thing. I've been through the process with some of my clients. It's the same documentation that's being asked. It's two different systems that could be consolidated into one and, frankly, be a better system. The VA system is not extremely user-friendly. So, you know, I'm hoping they actually develop a whole new system for this, but it's duplicative effort that's being done by the VA and the SBA, and I think it should be transferred to the SBA because they have more experience, especially when it comes to areas of determining who controls the company and also, like, issues like affiliation, right? So because, you know, to be qualified as a 
service-disabled veteran-owned small business, it's not just a 51% ownership issue, it's also a control issue. And is that company affiliated with other companies? And I'm not sure that the VA uh, has, well, I know they don't have as much experience in this area as SBA does. So I think SBA is better qualified and um, that's being recognized by the NDAA by transferring that over to the SBA, one system. It's going to take two years before that system gets put in place, and then the SDVOSBs then have yet another year before they have to get their application in. So what this effectively does is allows you know SDVOSBs to continue to self-certify as just status, but in the end, they're going to close this loop, get rid of self-certification, not only for SDVOSBs, but women-owned small businesses, um, and other socioeconomic certifications to get rid of the self-certification process because of, again, because of a fraud and abuse in that area that continues to be rampant in those areas. So they're going to close the loop. Take two years to do, two, you know, two, three years, but they'll close the loop on that. And I guess VA will still be connected because it has the data that would prove that someone is a veteran. Sure. And well, you know, it's the transition. So VA is going to continue to do this and it continues to, you know, apply for their programs because keep in mind, you can continue to self-certify right now as an SDVOSB or VOSB as long as it's not a VA procurement, right? The requirement to get qualified through the VA program is for VA procurement. So if you're bidding on a DOD project, you can self-certify as SDVOSB, but if you're bidding on a VA procurement, you, you, you have to go through their process. Lots to chew on. Kelly Kroll is a partner at the law firm Morris, Manning & Martin. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, my pleasure. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks. We'll post this interview along with a link to her article detailing many more things in the NDAA. You can find it all at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.